You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body.io FM. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Navarro, and my co-host, Andrea Jangle, goes by AJ. How's it going? I'm great. How are you doing today? Doing really well. Very excited. The sun awesome. is out, and we have a fun guest today, um, another Body.io coach, Kristen Grettenberger. Did I say that right? Yes. Awesome. You did. I, I, I said it in my head a few times before just to make sure I didn't stutter on my words. It's quite a last name. <laughs> it is. It is. But you did a great job. Thank so. you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who listen to Body IOFM, you might have met Kristen already when she joined Kiefer a few months back. But Kristen, why don't you share with our audience a little bit about yourself and uh, sort of what you've been up to with schooling and research? Okay. Sounds great. Well, um, First of all, I want to say I'm jealous that the sun's out up there because down here in San Diego, the sun's not out. So we wanted that. <laughs> I was like, well, look at that. The tables are turned. It's true. But, well, you all, you get it the majority of the time. So it all, it works out for us. I know it works out. It's even. <laughs> so this is a perfect day for me for a podcast. Um, well, I am basically, I've always been interested in nutrition and health. I started off as a dancer. That's my background. So I was very, I was a competitive dancer. So I was always trying to troubleshoot, how could I be the best dancer? How could I have the most energy? I started lifting weights when I was about 13 years old. I lied to the YMCA. And I think I actually might've been 12 because I think you had to be 13. So whatever it was, I lied to them to get my membership. <laughs> and from there, the rest is history. I was always that odd person. You know, my friends would read TV and I would sit there with my fitness magazines so it was always a passion of mine. And when I went to undergrad, I started to gain the weight because I wasn't dancing as much, which I see a lot with dancers and or any clients that come through and have some kind of sports background. You know, they continue to have that same eating cycle and then they realize, oh, wow, I'm not as active and, you know, I'm becoming a woman. So I was always trying to troubleshoot you know, the, the personal things that I had with that, because I did have about a 10 to 15 pound weight gain my freshman year. Classic happened to me. Mm -hmm. And of course, I never thought that would happen to me because, you know, when you're young, you're invincible. You can eat <laughs> anything you want when you're that active. So long story short, uh, my, my undergrad was in journalism. So my best papers were always the ones that were geared a little more in the uh, nutrient focus and the, the fitness focus. So that was always a little passion of mine. I got into the industry. I worked for Clear Channel. I interned for NBC, and I absolutely hated it. I did not like feeding people basically like the mainstream media information. I thought, mm -hmm. okay, please. I, I don't want to make people dumber. I would like to make them educated. And so, unfortunately, you know, you got to find that medium between sensational and actual you know, science or good information. So uh, I basically decided to go back and I was, I became a trainer at the time. So I quit my job working for Clear Channel, 
got into the training industry. And when I was working in the training industry, I just realized nutrition is everything. You can train, you know, everything out of anyone and everything. But if they don't, if they don't really find, they don't dial in their nutrition, you're not going to get results. So I thought, all right, well, let's just, let's just take this journey into getting a master's of science in nutrition, which I just finished. It took me five years because I had, my original degree was not in the sciences. So I almost had to go back mm. and get a dual degree. And then that's why it took me five years. And I well, also congratulations. my 12 I know. Congratulations. <laughs> oh my gosh, you have no idea. Life has been good these last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> And here I am. So I've, 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 the good thing is I've done my 1,200 clinical and public health hours. So I've already done all that. And I'm going to be sitting for the RD exam within the next month or two. So Very exciting. Yeah, that, that's it. And yeah. so when um, you're working in uh, – it's every program is designed differently. As a Master of Science student at that school, we had the option of either doing a – paper for our uh, thesis or you could do a study and unfortunately with master's degrees you don't have the same time as like if you're getting your dissertation mm -hmm. or your PhD so that was one of the limitations but we wanted to do something my group and the girls that I go to school with they're very you know we're going to we understand the weaknesses of the typical RD recommendations and so we have these like-minded individuals that wanted to try something different. So we decided that we're going to opt out of doing the paper and we are going to attempt our actual uh, human intervention study. So uh, dealing with the IRB, which is the Inst Institutional Review Board, was a big pain in the butt. And we I'm almost sure. wanted to throw in our towel. Because <laughs> that, I mean, you got you got to go to school for time, you're working, and then you're dealing with the IRB. Um, but we didn't. We kept with it. And uh, we ended up doing a pilot study that was approved by the IRB in which we took... Uh, we really wanted to look at the, as a dietitian, what is a good counseling method? We've had discussions. I've heard them. I've heard it on your podcast. I've heard it on the body, the, you know, Kiefer's podcast about do calories actually matter? And yes, I believe they matter, but when you're, it, it's going to depend on the individual. And so hypothetically, we thought that we took two groups and we divided them up and we had one group focus on calorie counting. And we had to have the other group focus on actual nutrient-dense quality foods. So just basically getting quality nutrition in. That was the emphasis. Okay. So and we neither, were, neither were counting macros. It was no, more just uh, choosing counting. foods that were nutrient-dense at, at any time of the day. Um, yes. However, okay. so if in my dream world, I would have had more of an opinion <laughs> of this. But you're working with other people and you're working with Loma Linda University, which is a vegetarian campus. So um, you have to factor all those things in. We did have meat in our study. They let, they allowed that. But I really focused on, um, I gave them basically a color-coded sheet and tried to say with those that were actually looking at the, the food choices, they I wanted them to hit um, a yellow, a green, and a red, which was a protein, a fat, and a vegetable at every meal. That was okay. the goal. Okay. And then they had, then they could have one or two extras, and an extra was either a starch, a dairy, a nut, or a fruit. So mm, okay. we did 
emphasize, you know, to limit your fruits and to limit some of the dairy uh, to about one to two servings a day. So we did, we educated them on that, whether they were adherent to it is a different situation. But again, you know, this is just how you're counseling people. And then we said one or two times per week, you can have a dessert, you know, and so preferably save it for the weekend. That's when you're going to have your desserts or, you know, you might have your splurge per se. So that's the basic guidelines that we gave them. But both groups received basic nutrition education. So we gave them one hour of nutrition education and then we separated the two groups and the way we counseled them as far as entering their food. So we had the calorie counters do my fitness pal, but to remove the bias of actually seeing how many calories you're eating, we used a different app that's called two grand and they upload pictures. Mm. And so from there we can counsel them and say, you know, we were following everybody. Oh, you know, looks like you're having a little too much fruit in that smoothie. You know, we can make those gotcha. suggestions as so that's how we did that. Yeah. Very interesting. And so, how long yeah, was the study for? The study was 12 weeks total. So we did the intervention period for six weeks. And then after, then, then we set, we set them free for six weeks and said, do, do what you want, you know, stick to whatever you like. Just, we wanted to see if they kept up the habits basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after following the six weeks, we found that, so initially the calorie counters did lose slightly more weight, mm-hmm. but after the intervention period, the follow-up period, the six weeks, they actually gained a little bit of weight. Whereas the, the people who focused more on nutrient density and food focus group, mm-hmm. they continued to lose a little more after the intervention, which we found mm-hmm. significant. Interesting. So, which, and what were the, if you look at the, what yeah. were the body composition measurements that you, that you started with? Like, what was, were you mostly going by scale weight? Was that the measure? Yes. Measurement you were using? Unfortunately, we did not have a very good, uh, that, that's not a, you know, weakness of studies is trying to use the best instrument. So we just had one of those stepping skills where they, where they measure fat mass. Mm-hmm. And okay. so the body composition, everybody, uh, both groups did lose about the same Initially, though, the calorie counters did lose a little bit more of fat mass and increased muscle mass. But in, however, the other group actually lost more inches. So the tool that we used to measure potty composition, though, I wasn't really a big fan of. But at the time, you know, we didn't have a lot of financial support. So we used what we could use. That makes sense. And what, how was yeah. the, the calories determined for that group that counted calories? Like what was the, how did, how did you choose a range for them to stick with? So we just did the basic one pound per week is what we recommended. Mm, so which okay. would be 500 calories a day to have your 3,500 calorie a loss. However, loss some participants, yeah, some participants choose, chose to actually eat a little less than that. Uh, so some did, you know, maybe a thousand calories if they were eating more. But again, we didn't have, Different from like what we do with body IO coaching, where we get a really good analysis or we get the recall. We didn't really have that with all of our clients. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of hard to measure how, how much they were actually cutting back. So we didn't have that measurement, gotcha. that but all sense. we knew was, what, yeah, what was instructed. So yeah, it was, it was a very interesting finding. And so when I think of the way, 
you know, we coach people on body IO, um, calories do matter that they do. However, sometimes when you have someone who's just eating, they're just, they don't really have a rhyme or reason to what they're eating, maybe focusing on the basics of nutrient dense foods is a good start. And then maybe we can go and tweak it with the calories. I don't mm-hmm. know what you both feel, but well, I think that, I think well, that's I think, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. I just, you know, that's why part of it is the food journal review that we do with clients is because it's also about food choices. So not only are we looking at the calorie and the macronutrient composition of the diet, we're looking at food choices. And that's where, you know, I'd like to point out to people, it's like, yeah, well, you're eating protein, but it's all like deli meat or right. um, like, you know, or that's fat where choices. you can pick up on those little yeah. things. I yeah, have someone recently who was, always... who was, their only fat was nuts. That was the only yes. fat at all was nuts. <laughs> that's was like... Very, very common, mm-hmm. actually. And mm-hmm. for busy people, you'll right, find I get that it. It's a convenience time. factor for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think what you're saying, Kristen, is it really is a combination of the two. And sometimes you have to pick your battle of what you tackle first. And it might, um, it might just actually have a snowball effect and really improve the whole situation just by focusing on something that um, might be the biggest issue at the moment. Yeah. And in fact, uh, what we gathered and, you know, one of, one things I really wish we would have, we tried to measure, but we just didn't have the time or the finances to do so was to measure stress levels Mm. and, uh, the C-reactive protein. That's what, like, if I were to do this again on a larger scale, that is something I would like to measure because from a lot of the reports that we received from the people on the whole foods, whole foods, non-processed diet, um, is the feedback that we got was, wow. I was such a calorie counter. I feel like I can eat, you know, more food because we really stress vegetables and mm-hmm. kind of what we do here on Body IO. Like, yes, you have your density and your fats and your meat, but increase the volume with your greens. So they're like, wow, I've never been able to actually have, you know, that freedom of just making better choices. Like they never, it, I think what dawned on me is that never, we're very familiar with this because we're in this industry, mm-hmm. but to the average population, they're still not educated on, on this. And so to have this feedback when people, sleep apnea was gone, someone's GERD was gone. So they no longer had experienced GERD. Um, there were women who had been dieting for years, counting calories that had actually lost weight doing it this way. And they were delighted, happy. So that, that right there, and just the feedback that received was very rewarding. So it was a good thing to know. And I think that's what, you know, that's, that's what we do here on body. I always, you know, really focus on that as, you know, I'm repeating myself here and then tackling the calories. Cause obviously if you're overeating these things, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna gain weight, right. but, um, but you have more freedom in being able to pay attention to how your food choices are affecting you, how they make you feel, how satiated you are, how fueled you feel going into your workout. I mean, those are all, all I would think very important things to be able to do this forever but not rely on you know I need to input my food every day or I need to make sure I get it into my app it's more of just then then leads to instinctual eating you know visually which I I love the picture idea I think that's great visually what is this is this gonna fill me up you know because a lot of people my sister uh, is a great example is she likes a full plate of food she wants a full Mm -hmm. plate whether she needs it or not. And so I encourage her to just choose a smaller plate 
to start. So visually for her to yeah. see the full plate, like we'll just get a small plate and then you can fill it up rather than a large plate yeah. and fill it up. And, and that like a little trick like that, more of just visually, this is, this is what I need to feel full and satisfied and get me through the day. Yeah. And, and Kristen mentioned something that I would love to her for her to just talk about a little bit because it's something that so many people miss. When you go on a high-fat diet, um, a lot of your food choices are going to be very calorie-dense, but they don't have that volume. And you touched on something so important that I try to stress to people, and it's you know by including vegetables, you get more food volume. It's, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think it's such a basic thing that people need to understand and, and they always overlook. Yeah. Well, we like that feeling of fullness. Um, there's some satiety that comes along with that. And the foods that we choose that are in higher fat, those, of course, add satiety. But when you eat really, really small amounts, you're not having that full effect that you can get as if you were to add a cup or two of non-starchy green vegetables. And then you're also getting the fiber in there, which also helps with your digestive system and keeps you feeling full. So, you know, when you add something like, let's just take, let's say you take four ounces of meat, you take a tablespoon of butter and you put it over, you know, two, two cups of greens right there. That's not a lot of calories, but that's going to fill you up decently. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's still lower in calories, but if you're someone who has to eat lower in calories, cause you're a smaller individual, well, that's a good choice rather than I mean, basically just having the four ounces of meat and one tablespoon of butter and that's it, you yeah. know, and also drinking water with that, that will help as well. Yeah. So it's, it's that feeling and there is a psychological connection that you're making. And, and we like, I mean, not, we don't like to feel Thanksgiving day full, you know, the coma <laughs> that you receive. Like I, we're not talking about that type of fullness, but you know, the satiety and that's going to, that's going to last longer. So that's always a great way um, when people want to, it's amazing how a lot of people come through and I don't, you know, they, there's this thing with vegetables and let's just say the non-starchy green vegetables are going to help fill you up. Mm -hmm. And you can add some other, you know, a little few bell peppers here and there is not going to kill anybody. Yes, they, you know, might have a few carbohydrates, but at the end of the day, and not to stress other things like phytochemicals that the non-nutrients that I've been doing a lot of research in mm -hmm. um, are are in those as well. So that is something to add to that, the benefit of all that. Mm -hmm. So you had some, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, about the study in particular? I think it's super interesting. I think it ties into how we see a lot of clients who are obsessed with calorie counting and then you get the flip side of the coin of clients who just don't want to provide any data for a coach. And I think, you know, I think we'd all agree here that somewhere in the middle to help yeah. you find like your, your happy place or if you want to call it or where you need to be, it, it really is somewhere in the middle um, so that we can coach you to then, you know, proceed on your own and, and make, you know, eyeball your food really mm -hmm. is what you want to learn to do in the long run. Absolutely. And well, I, Alex actually hit this point earlier and you just hit it again. And what we did with the study was after, so after the six weeks, you know, we followed up with them and see if we got to follow everybody to see if they continued to use the apps and a good percentage did, but a good percentage did not. And when we asked for them to report, they said, I didn't feel I, I needed to because I felt that in the first six weeks, I really had a good understanding and awareness of what I was doing. And mm -hmm. so for the last six weeks, 
I felt I didn't need to use the app. And so when we coach our clients, those tools, no, you don't have to do this for the rest of your life. However, there's two of us, you know, that it's a form of communicating and it is data. They are numbers. And those numbers help us show you like, oh, look, oh, you had a slight weight gain here. Oh, well, you know, what time of the month is your cycle? Maybe those few pounds are related to that. You know, progesterone and estrogen have a lot to do with sometimes the way you hold water. So just paying attention to things like that or what, you know, glycogen storage, um, all these different, these are all just data points that give you a better understanding of yourself. And so, no, you don't need to be obsessive about it for the rest of your life, but just doing this for a little bit of time. And this showed you, this study revealed that, that, you know, these people who some of them had been on former diets, they had been on Weight Watchers, they had been on Metafast, you know, they actually said, even after, you know, trying those diets, they were on this whole foods diet, they said, I, I, I've never had more understanding of my body and how food relates to me. So I think with our coaching, we do that. And so this just supports that. Mm-hmm. Just gathering enough data points for long enough that you have something to work with. Right. And, you know, some people aren't data people and some people are. Uh, I like data. <laughs> I like to enter everything. But I also like I'm at this point in my life, I also know, like, oh, you know, I'm entering this, but I know I'm not at my best. Like, I know I'm not going to get results, but I'm going to enter it anyway, because when I look back in history, I'm going to know why I wasn't getting results. And it's because I was cheating or I was, you know, not mm-hmm. at my best behavior. I was on vacation or I was going through a life situation. Like, I can look back. I actually, you know, and look at that. And I this is. I'm the person, like I said, I like data. So I have two years of my fitness pal logging in where I barely missed a few weeks. That's However, amazing. I don't recommend that for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't stress me out. Right, if you I enjoy doing that. it. I don't recommend that. I don't, well, you know, some people play Candy Crush and I play my fitness pal. Okay, so <laughs> we all have our things. That you know, is it true. It doesn't, it's almost like I enter my food after the fact too. It's not like, oh. You know, and it, of course, it depends on the time in my life. But right. I'm like, oh yeah, oh that was a oh, blew that day. Let's put that in there. Oh, mm-hmm. blew that day. And then you know, now I have correlations. And exactly, I it's helpful to have that too. information, whether it's a good day or a bad day. And it's good to right. help to be able to correlate that to whatever is going on in your life. Like it is a stressful time. Okay, what are, what are my even just behavioral patterns? I think that that's something that can be looked at. You know, like if I'm stressed out or I'm feeling down. Am I eating more because I'm turning to food? Like those are also yeah. just good behavioral patterns that, that can become, can help you become aware of if you are tracking during that time. So it's more than just yeah. like results, but it's behaviors as well, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of like experimenting with what you can't get away with um, because I think a lot of people try to like when they're dieting down, they, they really suppress like how much they're going to eat like they they really whether it's intentionally or lot or not they really limit how much they eat and they might be able to learn that they can eat a little bit more and That's I see that funnest. a lot of carb night yeah and I'm like <laughs> well you know what who cares if you have one carb night where you go totally overboard 
try it. See, like maybe you'll be surprised of what you can get away with. Or maybe you'll be like, yeah, you know what? I can't get away with that. And that's fine. <laughs> it's a marker. It's a point where you could be like, you know what? I can't do that. Maybe every <laughs> once in a while it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't expect to have the progress that I want if I keep on doing that. And, but that's what it is. You know, you know, your tipping point, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know my tipping points. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, those are almost more fun to play with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, life events trigger it. Um, anxiety triggers it. Yeah, I know, I know that I tend to eat out of anxiety. So that's something I have to personally tackle. Mm -hmm. But um, there are other things that I have seen in my history that I'll look at. And if there's something that doesn't make any sense, then I'll have to look at other things that might be going on. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's different for everybody. But um, And that, I think that, that what you just said is a great segue into the other topic that we're going to touch upon. Because mm -hmm. just like you said, there, there are, can be other factors that are playing a role. And it's important to look at everything. And so do you want to go into your experience sure. with the IUD and, yeah. and the hormone effects? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, that I'm kind of the, the good side to keeping all this data and this information about myself um, was, so I had the copper IUD inserted. So that is a form of birth control. It is known as the non-hormonal uh, IUD that you can get inserted. There's an actual Mirena, which is the one that does contain the hormones. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I did do research and I did talk to practitioners. And at the same time, I'm that person that because I have a lot of people who are hypochondriacs around me, like <laughs> I try to be the person that's like, oh, you're strong. This isn't going to happen to you. You're fine. You're not going to gain weight. It's just it's just the hormones that make you want to eat and therefore you're just going to eat more. So just control it and you'll be fine. So in making this decision, I honestly wasn't really that concerned. I figured I'd be fine. Because it wasn't so hormone wanted, based. Right. It wasn't hormone based. Mm -hmm. And I was be willing aware. to try it. It's also right. It, it's, and you also, well, not only is it not hormone based, but you also don't have to take it on a daily basis. So it kind of relieves that anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, it is very effective. And, and that is one thing. I will give it that much. It's a very effective method of birth control. And it's actually being pushed a lot more now because it's actually um, less expensive for, hmm. you know, the medical industry, the government. Um, so any they've realized that this. So it's being kind of all the outcomes that are or the few case studies that don't really line up with, you know, the saying that, oh, it's perfectly healthy and fine that's kind of being pushed on the rug I feel because it is it is definitely protective and so anyhow I choose to I chose to go this route um and let me just tell you having that thing put in uh oh my gosh <laughs> uh, I I they almost had to dismiss me I almost passed out and I thought I had a high pain tolerance oh like, no hmm. Oh my gosh. I was in there and she, you know, she walked out, she gave me, she came back in and the nurse, you know, the nurse practitioner was like, do you want juice? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> do I want juice? So, so I'm 
even in there, but okay, I'm gonna get a little graphic, but this is her body, so I feel comfortable doing that. But apparently my um I'm a little smaller and so having to get it through the the hole was quite challenging for the nurse practice. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> And so she came back and she goes, you know, I might have to send you home and give you something to dilate you and then you'll have to come back. And I'm like, oh, oh my no. gosh. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. Like, We're doing this now or I am never coming back. Seriously. You know? yeah. like, never coming back. This is horrible. So uh, I had it put in and that should have been a red flag right there. Like that should have been a red flag. But of course, I'm like, it's, you can do this. Can I just ask you something quickly? Did they not do a pre-exam? Because they when do. they do, yeah, they they put like the little test mirror. Yeah, yeah, and but that still, was that wasn't enough screening to you know realize mm -hmm. that it was going to be a problem. Okay, interesting because I had a I had a screening done. I never ended up getting uh, the IUD, but in the screening, they told me that uh, I have like a tilted uterus and. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, I guess some too. other things that they just said it wouldn't be a problem. Oh, <laughs> this conversation's going to be awesome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they, I didn't get past the screening point to, to proceed with that. So, anyway, I just wanted to see if there was a screening or not in the States. I'm always curious to see what's different over the borders. So, anyway, go on. So, you got it inserted. You went home. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> it was us. okay. I gave this thing three, three months, you know, because it's like, give it time, give it time. A, I have never experienced that cramping in my life, mm. ever. Like, I had to have a hot blanket put over, a little hot pad mm -hmm. placed over my abdomen. Um, I was in bed often, and then I just, I just wasn't feeling myself. And mm. I literally started to develop an alien baby. <laughs> I, this... This fluffy stomach that I've never witnessed in my life. Like, I was like, what is going on here? So I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's just inflammation. There's some damage or mm -hmm. some tearage going, going on here. And I just need to give it time to heal. Just give it time. Don't freak out. Calm, you know, calm yourself down. But uh, the weight stayed around. I gained about five or six, seven pounds. So it was like a pound or two per week and started kind of climbing up. So I thought, well, maybe you're just depressed and you're eating more. So I go into my logging, my data, and I'm like, huh? No, you're not. Mm -hmm. You're not eating more. You're still training. Uh, something's not right. And my energy levels, too, were awful. Like, I just didn't feel like myself. So after looking into that, I, of course, went on to blogs and chat rooms and heard these women just discuss the issues they had and a lot of their issues were very very similar to mine and again I'm like oh gosh you know it's that one percent that report the negative people that report so I'm just getting all the all the people that had a bad effect they're gonna go on there and they're gonna report and then I went into PubMed and I started doing some research I'm like huh well this is interesting well this is interesting and I did find some research with different forms of birth control. So they would take, I think one of them took the Mirena, one of them took the copper IUD, and then the other one took the Depo shot. Mm -hmm. So they took all three forms of birth control and they did a five-year cohort study. And what they found was every, all three of them had some weight gain. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was, let me see if I can remember. Here we go. I think I have it right in front of me. So 4.9 kilograms 
just with that was with the copper IUD. So after five years, the Morena had 3.1 and then the depot had 8.2. Mm-hmm. So everybody had a weight gain. And that was one study that I found and I found a few others. So here I am with a copper IUD thinking, all right, no hormones, mm-hmm. but obviously there's some kind of hormonal effect going on. Right. And then I looked and dug a little deeper into the issue. Mind you, I saw some case studies, but I didn't see any intervention studies in humans that I could really find. And who's going to fund these, right? I right. mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's going to fund that? So what I did find, though, is in there's an actual study that was conducted in 1996 with female cows, so heifers. And they took 230 cows, and then they took another group. They have the control group, and then they put a copper IUD in the other 230. And so what they found was um, they actually found that the copper IUD group did have a 25% daily increase in weight gain versus the control group. And then after that, after they also looked at, um, so one thing that, that I was noticing about my body, you know, I see people with PCOS, which is, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome and their diet is usually, you know, they have a lot of inflammation going on usually in their abdominal area. A lot of the, a lot of weight stall, usually they have to be very, very strict with their diet to see results. So I started noticing these symptoms. I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm, you know, one of, one of those patients or clients, they feel like I have similar symptoms. Well, after reading this study, I looked at it a little more and those same, the the cows that, that had the copper IUD inserted actually had um hyper androgen so they had excess androgen mm, and so they had increased testosterone and decreased progesterone so and then not only that but they also found that there were some cysts developing on the ovaries wow. of many of these id cows yes the studies are done in cows but uh still like i mean that's kind of after I read that, I was just thinking, okay, I think we're done here. <laughs> yeah. I've had enough. Like, I know my body, and this goes back to the point of, of, you know, knowing your body, and I know this isn't right, so I had it removed, and I am almost, I, I, and then I, I remember reading from some women, like, it takes almost twice as long to kind of get back into, you know, your natural mm-hmm. body, or some, sometimes people say I never even lost the weight, but, mm-hmm. um, I was able to kind of get myself back. And so, you know, with using carb night and, uh, carb backloading, like I had to clean that up for sure. I mm-hmm. could get away. I couldn't get away with what I could before. So I actually felt like some of my own clients, um, who are patients, if I'm working, you know, in the hospital that have, have these situations and they really, have to have things slightly more structured. And so I had to do that. If I wanted results, I had to do that. And now my body's getting back to a point where I'm tolerating things better mm-hmm. and I'm all pretty much back to normal and I feel great. And, um, but with that being said, like I saw this in myself and then as I'm seeing more and more clients and women who do choose to use this form of birth control, I'm starting to see correlations and I don't like them to freak out because I want to be on the copper IED side because it works as far Mm -hmm. as prevention. That's great. However, I don't want it to come at the cost of people's health. And so 
when I see this in my clients, I won't bring it up right away. But if I see them stalling and they're doing really well, like sometimes I'll, I'll look at the date where they were like, oh, you know, I, I gained weight here and I haven't really been able to take it off. And I've seen a lot of correlations with IUD insertion dates wow. and weight gain and weight issues since then. So again, there's no clinical intervention studies that I've really come across in humans, but these are some of the things and back to knowing your body. And then Alex, how you asked me, you know, this, this kind of segues into to this perfectly because, um, you know, I'm finding that through my clients and myself. So mm -hmm. yeah, not, not a fun thing to go through, but I think yeah. Alex, you said something like you also, your sister might've had an experience or she did. Yeah. Um, she, this is my younger sister and she's tried various types of birth control and, and we, she found over the years that hormone based ones were just screwed her up. I mean, in, in every way, whether it was like, you know, energy levels, appetite, weight gain, um, mood swings. So she, she gave herself a long break. She's like, just kind of gave up. And then, you know, the copper IUD started showing up more and she thought, I'll give this a try. And because it wasn't hormone based and within a month she, she got it out because she was experienced. <laughs> she, she's like, I can't even, I mean, <laughs> she's like, maybe I'll just give it some time because I really want yeah. this to work. Cause it's, you know, it is convenient and it does work if you can tolerate it. Um, but yeah. the, the things, the symptoms that she was experiencing and, and luckily she had gone through all of those various types of birth control before. So she understood that you know, there might be a little bit of weight gain, there might be, you know, these other things that aren't related to how well she's doing with her food intake or her activities that we just have to keep that in mind as she's trying these different things. But we were hoping that with the IUD that she wouldn't experience those things. And while she did a little bit, there were, there were far more extremes too. I mean, she was she had fevers, she was getting fevers regularly, mm. um, wow. dizziness, and what mm -hmm. she what she specifically said, um, I feel batshit crazy. <laughs> Her exact <laughs> words. <laughs> um, so all good signs as this is not working for her body, and she yeah. needs to to take care of that. So uh, luckily she did get it out. It was pretty recent. So I'm hoping that because she didn't have it for that long, that it won't take too long for her body to get back to its normal groove. But I mean, if anything, it just shows that how big of an effect, you know, putting anything in there or taking something, um, it throws yeah. everything off. There's a reason, um, like AJ and I had talked on, on a different podcast about, there's a reason that we have our cycles. And uh, I just, uh, I, I feel I feel sorry for her that she had to go through all of that just to find out that, no, in fact, birth control in that form is not for her. It's, yep. it's such a touchy subject and I, I mean I want to just put it out there that we're not here to give medical advice and I don't want to you know I try to I go through the struggle with clients too and I feel like I feel like I'm going through the same thing right now in this podcast where it's like you know prevention is the most important thing uh, family planning is super important I, I don't want to try to influence in any one other way but it just seems that all these options are at the expense of our health. Um, and I, I'm going to say something, and like I said, I don't want it to influence anyone else's other decision, but if there's something that I wish I could take back, it was being put on birth control at the age of 16 years old 
and struggling with trying to find the, the right one. The doctors were always like, oh, you're just not using the right one. And for 10 mm -hmm. years, it was a roller coaster of health issues and weight gain. And, you know, there's almost nothing in my life that I can sit back and say I regret except for that. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's such an individual thing. It's something as a, as a coach where you almost don't even want to open your mouth about it because mm -hmm. as we all said, the last thing you want is to, you know, influence someone and then not, you know, then they get pregnant unexpectedly. Um, so I think, you know, the, the message is you guys got to have, you have to monitor and you have to make these decisions, what is best for you and you got to have backup plans. And really, I mean, the health effects can be quite severe. I know there's a lot of stuff in the media right now about the Morena. Is that the one that's getting a lot of, mm -hmm. there's yeah. a lot of, is that, yeah. Yeah, so they're having a lot of issues. I, and I don't, I haven't really looked at the validity of some of the claims, but women are basically, um, well, there's been quite a few women who have passed away, mm. um, which I mean, obviously is probably quite rare, but at the same time, it just sucks that all these options uh, seem to be at a health expense. And I don't know, it's just, it's such an individual thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, something that might seem right and like the right decision when you're 20 years old, you you would never go back and do that when you're 30, right? Because <laughs> like, things are different then. Your body is different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. different. I mean, we see it just with nutrition exposure too, you know, yeah. at, at those ages. And mm -hmm. so another thing, I, a note that you made on um, – Gosh, what, I forgot what I was going to say, but I think that basically back to the whole client thing is when dealing with our clients is I try not to bring these things up because I want, you know, like you said, I want them to work for them. But if you feel intuitively, and I think one of my biz, like my personal challenges that I have is, is it, you know, us ladies are known for being crazy. And so <laughs> is this my crazy, you know, head making these, like, am I making these things up? Am mm -hmm. I reading things and that's putting ideas in my head? Or is this, no, is this actually something that I really should be concerned about? Right. And so I think with everything that we do here, you know, the articles that we put out and podcasts that we put out, this just helps people, you know, be aware of those situations. Yeah. And so. And right. having and a coach, like to... what you just said. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> uh, we do this often. I don't we know, there do. might be a slight time delay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just having a coach, too, to just as a sounding board, just, you know, and I think that's part of the process that we do is like we tackle the diet. We make sure that you're not sabotaging uh, your goals by like overtraining or, you know, not sleeping or, you know, eating way too much. And that's, you know, like you said, the data that you collect. And then there comes a point where it's like, okay, this isn't adding up anymore. You're doing everything right. There must be something else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having a sounding board, a coach, someone to walk you through that to make sure that, you know, you're worrying about the right things at the right time if it's appropriate. And like you mm -hmm. said, you're not being, um, uh, you said you were uh, <laughs> hypochondriac. <laughs> hypochondriac, right? <laughs> You know, it's just really nice to have someone to bounce those ideas off where it's like, well, you know what, your nutrition does need to clean, be cleaned up. And before you start worrying about these other things, you should focus on this. And I think mm -hmm. that that's part of the process that we all find really, really important. You know, maybe the client right away doesn't, you know, see that instantly. But as time goes on, uh, we pick our battles and we make sure that they're appropriate at any given time. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think we've yeah. probably all worked with somebody who you know, we started that way, 
and we had kind of the baseline and that was very revealing of underlying issues that were the problem. And although that's not what the client perhaps comes in to try to figure out, you know, they usually just want to figure out how to get trim some inches here and there. Um, but it is interesting when you can fine tune everything, but through that realize that there's another issue going on that isn't related to that, but is affecting it. And sometimes mm-hmm. that could be just, you know, the, the, the bonus out of the whole thing. It's like, okay, well, we haven't necessarily achieved the results we want, but we figured out why this is the thing that's yeah. causing a problem. And this is the thing that we should focus on. Like, again, we had talked about before, you know, if you don't have a regular cycle, figuring out why you don't should be a priority. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, for sure. looking and it, at all the data points will help you figure out what that is. Yeah, absolutely. And then going to the appropriate practitioner to help you sort that out. It probably isn't going to be your nutrition coach. You probably need to go see right. an endocrinologist, but <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. we can at least get you to that point where it's like, you know what, honey, you're doing everything right. It's not yeah. you. You're not going crazy. And I want to emphasize that like, this isn't a, a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's like, you know, you've been beating your head against the wall. It's good to know that it's not you doing something wrong and we can, you know, start the process of healing yourself and getting mm-hmm. better. And, you know, that's when things start to come together. So um, what we're, we're at for time now, we're at about 45 minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're kind of at a point here where we talked about some really important things. I want to give Christian an opportunity to, you know, sum up anything that she really wants to um, send away with the listeners as some take-home points. And then we can, uh, we can end the episode. Yeah. So, I mean, just what we just discussed, the takeaway points, what I, what I love about our coaching, the way that we coach, um, I go to a competitor's gym. I go to, I mean, that's what I see in and out. And, uh, you know, the, I, I love being a part of body AO because of these things and these tops topics that we discuss and really just trying to get people healthy. Yes. We'd love to get you to your performance goals or your body composition goals, but getting you healthy is first. And so unfortunately in the bodybuilding community, it's like, oh, well, you must just, you know, you must be lying. You know, you might, you must not be mm-hmm. eating your chicken and broccoli. So there's, <laughs> it's like, the, they, yeah. they, you know, you're, most of those mm-hmm. coaches are never going to ask you, well, is it this? Could it be this? So um, I think this is just more affirmation of, of the different type of coaching we do and what our goals are and how individualized they are. And we don't give cookie cutter plans and every single client that I see is different. And so when sometimes people ask me like, well, how long is it going to take me to lose this much? Or what can I expect? How much weight loss? And I I still, to this day, the more people I see, the less I kind of can give them an answer. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm really realizing how little I know, you know, as far as like looking internally into the whole system. So, you know, I can say, well, based off of your history, this is probably what I'm expecting. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? Weight loss might not be your goal right now. You're so inconsistent in your eating. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just, that's what this, you know, the research that I brought in, some of the personal experiences that I've put forth and that I've seen in some of my clients. I hope this just uh, brings us all and ties us together with you and your ladies and in your expertise as well. So, and Alex, thanks for sharing that story. I'd never even heard of it, but see, there's another, there's another situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, thank you. That was great. Unfortunately, yeah. 
yeah thank you ladies it was a good time good girl talk <laughs> well thanks everyone for listening to another episode of her body brought to you by body iofm and we will t- catch you guys later bye You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengle. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs>